it's like, where is our allegiance? Where, where, where is our allegiance truly? And uh, myself, like all of y'all, my desire is that my allegiance be with the Lord, be with Jesus. And, uh, you know, the word is clear that true submission is 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 spelled out in obedience so that that's kind of the measuring stick for all of us you know to take that hard look at our our lives and see um you know are we walking in obedience are we being obedient to the things that the lord is calling us to do on a daily basis and obviously i get it you know nobody's perfect we're not called to be perfect but it it, it should be a growing desire within us Day by day, as we walk with the Lord, that's like, Lord, man, help me to be obedient to you. I, I want to please you. I want to serve you. I want to honor you with my life. Have you had that conversation with the Lord lately where you're like, Lord, make my life count. Make my life count for, 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 for good, for something that, that's going to honor you and be a blessing to other people. I woke up in the middle of the night the other night and I've been on vacation, so it's been it's been cool to have a little bit of downtime. You don't have a lot of downtime when you have kids, but you know we we I've had a little bit of downtime, and me and Veronica were able to to go out and hang out for a little bit for our ten year anniversary on Thursday, and um, you know it's just I woke up and and I and I woke up from this dream and I was super convicted. It was it it was it was it was a trip because in the dream I don't even know the people that were in the dream, but something happened to, uh, along the lines of. I felt wronged by somebody and I had lashed out at them. And then the cool thing in the dream was I had the opportunity to get right with the person <laughs> and I got right with them. And I said, you know what? I'm sorry. Forgive me that my attitude wasn't right. And, and I said things to you that, that weren't correct. Obviously, I don't remember word for word, but I said, but that was the gist of the dream. And I just woke up and and I just, you know, I, I, I went to the restroom and I came back to the room and I just I just prayed. I was like, Lord forgive me, cleanse my heart, create in me a clean heart, make me right before you. I don't want to, I don't want to have any ill will towards anybody or any person. And, uh, you know, that whole, the whole line of cast me not away, <laughs> you know, cause when God casts, right, God cast Lucifer out of heaven, like he forcefully pushed him out. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, Lord, don't cast me away from you. Cast me not away from your presence. Don't don't ever throw me away like that. And, and I don't know where you're at this morning, but that's a word for somebody. Take hold that the Lord is not going to cast you away. He's going to keep you. The Bible says that nothing, no one can pluck you out of his hands, that he loves you with such a deep love. So hear that today. Know that is true of the Lord, that, that he always keeps his promises and that his love for you is deep and infinite, deeper than the deepest waters. <laughs> and, uh, and he cares for you in such a mighty way. Amen. Well, this morning we'll uh, be in, uh, again, the book of Obadiah. We're going to look at four verses. We're going to look at verses 10 through 14. Uh, this message is entitled, Edom's Violence Against Jacob. And you'll, as we break down these verses, you'll, you'll come to understand what that means, what that details. But uh, if you can, uh, and you, when you get there, please stand for the reading of God's word. We're in verses 10 down through 14. And once again, we're in the book of Obadiah, the only chapter, chapter one. And it says, because of the violence done to your brother, Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem. You were like one of them. Verse 12, but, but do not gloat over the day of your brother and the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Verse 14. 
Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. Let's go ahead and pray. Abba God, we come before you and and Lord, we, we ask that you would just intervene in our situation, that you would uh, just be amongst us in our midst. Lord, may we know you more. Please draw us closer to you. Lord, will you open up and unpack these scriptures? Will you reveal to us the truth of them and how they are relevant and applicable to our lives today, right now? We can apply this as, as we're sitting here. In, our, in regards to our thinking and, and what, what we're focusing on and, 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 and what we're mulling over in our minds. Lord, you're the only one that can direct a heart towards you. So, Father, I pray that a fresh anointing would come upon your people, that your Holy Spirit would come upon me and, and reveal your truth in such a way that everyone could understand that it is, this is not of man. This is not of man's understanding. This is the revelation of you, of your word to us. So, Father, we thank you for desiring to have fellowship with us. Thank you for forgiveness of sins, for cleansing of unrighteous hands and hearts. And, Lord, would you give us a a clean heart and a clean mind so that we're able to rightfully divide your word and apply it to our lives and spread the blessing of of love and truth to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So last week, we talked about how the judgment of God was going to be carried out to the, uh, the land of Edom, the nation of Edom, the Edomites. Basically, they had built a trust of different allies. Remember, they, 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 um, their, their city was, was based in the cleft of the mountains, cleft of the rocks, so they had, uh, you know, a lot of protection physical-wise with the geography of where their land was. And so they had built up allies, people that would store treasure there, people that would, you know, uh, come alongside them and say, yeah, we're, we're good with you. We're, 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 we're trusting you. Uh, we're, we're good. We're, 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 we're compadres. <laughs> uh, but eventually these allies would turn on them. It wasn't, it wasn't you know, am I my brother's keeper and till death do us part, it was no. When the time was fixing, <laughs> these allies would split. Well, actually, they wouldn't split. They would, you know, turn back and stab them in the back. That, that's what would happen. This, but this was all part of God's judgment upon Edom because of, of their, their waywardness, of their blasphemous attitude, of their rebellious heart, and their unwilling to repent. All the wise men of Edom would fall. No one would be spared. Again, this was because of their, their prideful heart and their unwillingness to be humbled and their arrogance towards God and God's people. Believing the lie that they were told, I don't need God. <laughs> I don't need the Lord. I don't need Yahweh. I'm better off on my own, doing my own thing. I can actually be my own God. And I can, I can do things the correct way without any kind of authoritative figure telling me what is best for my life. And when you look at the world today, not much has changed. There's nothing new under the sun. This is the same exact lie that people are tempted to believe today. I don't need God. I don't need Christianity. Talking about the church. There's a camp of people today that say, I don't need to go to a local church because I can have church by myself. I can have a relationship with God, which is me and him. And yes, that is partly true. Yes, we are to have individual relationships with the Lord. But it is such a fallacy to say that people do not need the local church. You need the local church. A true Bible-believing church is so important in the growth and maturation of every believer. And if you are not part of a local church, I can guarantee you it's only a matter of time. If you do not get plugged in to a local part of the body, you will either burn out or you will be, you'll fizzle out. Because this isn't a Lone Ranger type of ministry. You can't survive on your own. There's a whole reason why the Bible says iron sharpens iron. There's accountability when you come together as the body. And, and it's, it's also a command that you, we would meet 
that we would commune together on a regular basis. This is important. We are not to forsake the meeting of the saints. And just because times have changed and the culture has changed, that doesn't mean that certain biblical principles can just bend and ebb and flow any way they want to. There are certain things that must stay the same because it is the authoritative word of truth, the truth of God's word. And and their unwillingness to, to do this is what led to their destruction. The judgment that came upon Edom was a foreshadowing of the judgment that will eventually come upon all of humanity who fail to respond to conviction and and repent of their sin and be reconciled to God the Father through Jesus Christ. You see, that's so important. That's, That's such an important doctrinal, fundamental belief that we must have. Um... We understand the Trinity, God, the Father, Jesus Christ, the Son, the person of the Holy Spirit. They're all equal. They have different functions. We are reconciled back to Father God through Jesus Christ. And that's why we we, we need Jesus so much, because there's no way back to the Father, but through Christ, but through God, the Father. There's only one true and living God, and it's the God of the Israelites regardless of what the rest of the world says. And so this is where we find ourselves today. We're either falling under the judgment or we're liberated from the judgment. We're freed from it because the Lord, because God the Father sees now the Son, Jesus Christ, His blood, His righteousness, what He paid, He paid to redeem us so that we could be forgiven. We were talking about that uh, in prayer earlier this morning. There's two camps. (laughs) There's two camps. We can either humble ourselves and receive all the benefits of salvation and living a life reserved for the holy ones of God. Holy just means set apart. You know, we are a special people. We're a unique people. We're not better than anyone else, but we're set apart. Or we could say, you know what, I'm going to go my own way and I'm going to do my own thing and I'm going to just figure it out on my own and I don't need God. I think I can do this on my own. And then you end up in that other camp. But there's only two camps. So we have to choose. We have to make a decisive decision. Today's message will go a little bit deeper into the depravity of heart and mind that led to Edom's destruction. It'll it'll actually, we'll learn about specifically what they did and what they did not do that actually contributed to their downfall. And this serves as a clear warning to us today that we may be wise in the Lord and deal with the sin in our hearts immediately, lest we deceive, deceive ourselves. Because that, that's what happens. I was talking to my son this morning, kind of got in a little bit of trouble. And, you know, it's like had a talking to. And uh, it's funny because sometimes, you know, we're here and, you know, it's like, well, how am I always? Am I going to lower my voice now because I'm in the church building? I'm like, no. Nah. <laughs> Had to lay into him a little bit. And, and it was what it was. But, you know, we end everything with, you know what? Hey, we're going to talk about it. We're gonna, I'm going to explain to you why, whether you want to hear it or not. And then after, we're going to pray about it. <laughs> and and at that, in that moment, he didn't want, he didn't want prayer. Because <laughs> he's like, why are you trying to lay hands on me? I said, I'm not trying to hurt you, son. I said, but I'm trying to transfer a blessing to you. I'm, I'm trusting that by laying hands upon you, what I'm requesting from the Lord that he's going to bless you with. But it was the same exact principle that I'm talking about right now because I had to tell him, look, son, you can either humble yourself and allow me to lay hands on you so you can receive this blessing or you can (laughs) you can have a stubborn, prideful heart and say, no, I said, but I guarantee you, you're going to (laughs) suffer and you're not going to receive the blessing. So after explaining it to him, you know, he conceded and I laid hands on him (laughs) and I prayed for him. I prayed that, you know, the Lord would do a work in his heart and that he would learn. I'm like, I'm like, son, I've made all the mistakes you've made a hundred times over and I've suffered mightily for it. I said, I'm trying to keep you. I said, you're seven years old, man. I'm 44 years old. I'm trying to keep you from going down the road I went down so you don't have to suffer like that. I said, for you, you'd be wise if you listen to what I'm telling you so that you don't have to end up how I ended up for, you know, 20 something years of my life in a hot mess. So again, It's the same thing that we're seeing with the Edomites. They had the decision to make, and unfortunately, they chose the wrong decision. All right, we have several main points, and the first one is this. Sin 
I know it's not a popular subject, but we're, we're, we're a true church, so we talk about these things. Sin itself, sin in and of itself, it's already bad. But whom you and I sin against makes that all the worst. It makes it worse depending on who we sin against. Now, now, let me clarify because I, I, I don't want my words to get misconstrued, and I don't want you to think that, that I'm creating some doctrine that's not biblical. I'm not creating anything. All I'm doing is reflecting what the Lord shows me in the Word. But I understand that there's no such thing as a little white lie. When people say, oh, I just told a white lie, stop it. You told a lie. In your mind, you think it's little. You told a lie. It's as big as a lie that's a lie. It, it is what it is. Right. We, we can all agree that that sin in and of itself is sin. Sin is sin. We can't compartmentalize and say, well, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <clears throat> Me- meaning that e- even if someone never committed the act of murder in some kind of way, they still have violated God's law. I, I know that I've heard I've had people c- come to me and tell me, you know, you work with people. With someone that doesn't have any arms. And I've heard it said, well, you know, someone that had no arms and no, no legs, they, they can't lust after a woman. So that's not correct. That's not true at all. Because it's, it's, it's what's inside the heart. You don't have to have arms and limbs to, 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 to lust, uh, you know, after somebody or something. And so, you know, that right there settles that point, you know, that, that, that you know, even if we didn't commit the act of murder in some kind of way, someone... Has viola- someone has violated God's law in some kind of way. Because you hear that all the time. Well, I've never killed anybody. I never physically did it. But it's like, have you ever had an aggressive thought, an angry thought about someone? Have you ever thought it? Have you ever thunk it? I like, uh, what is it, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, <laughs> the older brother, Roderick. He's like, he tells his, bro- his little brothers, uh, he locked them in the basement. They're having a party. And uh, he tried to get out. And Raleigh comes to the door. And he's, tra- he's supposed to get him out. He's trying to get Greg out. And uh, I guess, you know, the older brother caught him and he goes to the basement door and he thinks Raleigh's there and his, his older brother's there with him. <laughs> and the older brother looks at his younger brother and says, whatever you thought, I already thunked it. <laughs> I just like that. But, you know, if we just thunk it, if we thunk an impure, nasty thought, we've, we've already violated God's law. And, 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 and any individual, if we die in that state, apart from receiving the salvation that Jesus Christ offers, we will be apart from him for eternity. That's sin. But the other side of the same coin is this. There are actually different levels of sin. There are different levels of sin. There are. And, and some are far worse than others. This is why in verse 10 in our, in, our, in our context this morning, it reads, Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. Notice it says because of what? Because of the violence done to Jacob, that shame shall cover Edom, and that they will be cut off forever. Remember, that Jacob or Israel and, and Esau, which represents Edom, they were blood relatives. They were blood relatives. They had the same daddy. So this made these nations kinsmen naturally. This was the byproduct of them being related. We know this. The fact that the nation of Edom continued to willfully sin against their relatives made their sin all the more worse. You see, brothers ought to help one another. I hate seeing my, my kids f- fight. And I get it. They're, they're siblings. There's going to be that, that sibling, whatever you want to call it, rivalry. I don't know. That's, that's what the world says. But yes, every, every family has this where siblings will argue and bicker and whatever. But, you know, your prayers, they get to a point where it's like when it comes down to it, they're going to have love for one another. They're going to care for one another. They're going to love one another as themselves, right? Just like the Bible says. Because parents hate to see their family torn apart it's not even an outsider it's from within that that's the worst when 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 within the family there's bickering and backbiting and fighting and this is what we have going on with these two people groups they are to show we are to show brotherly sisterly love to one another you see but edom failed to show love and compassion to judah 
because they committed violence against them. It's like they had no compassion. They had no empathy. They, they just did it. <laughs> they acted out of arrogance, out of pride, out of a mind that was polluted and not correctly uh, calibrated. And they acted in a shameful way. You see, violence is a serious matter because you and I are created in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 tells us, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish and the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That's why, you know, if you got, you got a roach, you can squish that roach, that creeping thing. But we're created in God's image. So you and I can have fellowship with God. So we can have relationship. So there can be a common union between him and us. It's, it's, I'm, I'm still amazed at the, at the way the human body works. If we, and I get it, we're all going to, you know, decay little by little. And we're all going to pass on to, to, to you know, eternity. But when you look at the human structure and when you look at all of the things that make up our body and everything and all the organs and, you know, when we take care of ourselves, the body works well. It functions great. The stomach doesn't tell the bicep, I, I hate my job. I want to be the bicep. The, the ligament in your, in your left knee doesn't tell, you know, whatever, the, the, the you know, uh, what is it? The Achilles tendon in, 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 in your right leg. I, I want to switch positions. Everybody's got a job. And when everybody works according to what they're specified to do, the body works seamlessly. That's the same thing with the local church. Everybody has a part to play. That was another thing that, I, that me and my son had to have a discussion about this morning. Because he's like, why do I always got to help? I said, man, as long as you're a part of this family, you're going to help. Get this stuff out the car and bring it. <laughs> Your mama doesn't say, why do I got to clean up after these kids every day? Why do I got to make all this food every day? Why do I got to go to the grocery store every day? And I had to explain to him, there's going to be times you're not going to want to do stuff, but you do it out of obedience because you want to honor God. And I'm not saying that Christian walks easy. There's many times where I'm like, man, I'm tired, Lord. I don't want to do this. I want to do something else. But then you, you sense what the Holy Spirit is showing you. And it's like, it's always better to do the right thing. You don't always feel like you to do the right thing, but you got to do it. That's the difference between someone who's walking in obedience and someone who's just like, man, I'm, I'm just kind of just willy nilly in it. And I'll, 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 I'll do the right thing when I feel like it. That's not a good way to live your Christian life. The sooner we understand it's not about feelings. It's not about emotion. It's about obedience. The far better you and I are going to be because you and I are definitely always going to be challenged to do the right thing. But you're not always going to feel like doing it doesn't mean you don't do it but this whole idea again we're have fellowship with god that's the right thing to do it's the right thing to submit and say father god i'm i'm sorry forgive me make me right before you draw me into your presence that i can have relationship with you it's not the right thing to to to, to cower away in shame because that's what satan wants he wants you to feel shameful and say nothing and keep it bottled inside and then go about your life and, and, and your life's still a mess. Your family's still a mess. You have no peace. You have no joy. That's what Satan wants. Well, God's like, hey, just humble yourself. I already know what's going on. He's just, I just, he's like, I want to hear you tell me. Because <laughs> when we bear all to him, that's where the healing comes in. That's when the floodgates of heaven open up and supernaturally you just get cleansed. You, you get this peace that comes about you because you're willing to be raw with God. That's all he wants. That's, that's relationship. You know, you, you don't got to go to classes for all this. <laughs> you know, you don't got to go to seminars for all this. It, it's, it's just being honest with the Lord. It's humbling ourselves. But sometimes we have such a hard time because our will is so strong to just be like, I can do it on my own. Or, or I'm so hurt and I'm so scarred from my past that I can't open up. We all have to learn to open up. You and I must learn to become an open book before the Lord. 
Because you can't go deeper in your relationship with Father God until you allow him to see all there is in you. It's already bad enough what Edom did. But violence done against one's brother is even worse. Therefore, God said to Edom, you will be covered with shame and cut off forever because they committed violent acts over and over and over and over again against the nation of Israel. The second main point is this. The sin of omission is no better than the sin of commission. Amen. Amen. To omit something means to leave it out or to exclude it. So when we are committing the sin of omission, it means there's something to be done, and yet we do nothing. <laughs> we, we leave it out. I always like using the example of the, the, the loop because, I mean, it's right there. But it's like you see someone there, <laughs> and it comes upon your heart, go talk to that person. And you're like, for real? I got I to go do something else. That's a sin of omission right there, man. Uh, funny, It's not a funny story. It just is what it is. The other night, um, you know, my wife likes to stay up late because that's when she has her own time, <laughs> you know, her downtime. And uh, she was downstairs and, you know, I was already upstairs and I was laying down and the Lord put on my heart. of like, go put a blanket on your wife. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm like, what? Am I hearing you correctly, Lord? Go put a blanket on your wife. And I went downstairs and, you know, she wasn't on the couch. She was in the bathroom. <laughs> but it was still funny because, and it was cool because, I, you know, she's like, what are you doing? I said, the Lord told me to put a blanket on you. I mean, I didn't put a blanket in the bathroom, but the whole point was I was trying to be obedient. And I got a little chuckle out of my wife. And I know that that was a sign that it was like I did the right thing, you know. Like a little small act this is like a, like an ant act. Like, oh, it's nothing. But you see, these are the type of things that you and I have to grow accustomed to hearing from the Lord. We have to be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit that he could whisper something as maybe seems so silly as go put a blanket on your wife. But we don't just hear it. We actually move and do. Because you can hear, I can hear all day long. But if you and I hear, and that's all we do is hear, we're still being disobedient. We need to get to the point where it's a lifestyle where we hear from the Lord and we do. It becomes a natural thing. I hear from the Lord, I do. You know, it, it, it should grieve us when we hear from the Lord and we don't do. And then, you know, we got to repent, get right, and then we're back in the game. But that's the sin of omission. To commit in the sense of sin means to willingly do something. So I know that X, Y, and Z are not good. And I'm like, I don't care what X, Y, and Z are. You fill in the blanks, whatever is whatever you struggle with. <laughs> and you're like, I don't care about what the word says. I'm going to outright do this. That's the sin of commission. It's like, you're just like, I don't care. I'm going to go off and I'm going to go out. I'm going to go out and have a bender. It don't matter. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a whole bottle of Johnny Walkers to my face and what I'll deal with the consequences later. You know that ain't right, but you go do it. Uh, bro, I'm going to go buy a, 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 a carton of Marlboros. I'm going I'm to smoke, you know, two, car, two, two packs of cigarettes to my face. Well, I mean, that's the sin of commission. I mean, the sur even the Surgeon General tells you if you keep smoking it, you're going to give yourself cancer. <laughs> So the whole point is us understanding that omission and commission, neither are better or worse than the other. They're both the same. You see, Edom stood aloof or idle when Jerusalem was attacked by foreign nations. They just stood by, <laughs> grinning. They, they, they just watched. They did nothing to help Israel. And in standing by idle, in that way, they actually contributed to the sins against God's people. You know, when we see wrong things being done, sometimes you don't got to get on your knees and pray about it. The Lord will quicken your spirit so fast that you know what you need to do. And it's a matter of doing it. You see, when we have an opportunity to do good, 
towards others around us and we do nothing, we commit that same kind of sin. We all know the account of the Good Samaritan. This is an excellent example of both the sin of omission and being obedient to the Holy Spirit. The priest and the Levite, these were two men. They fully knew what to do. Fully. They're holy men. They're right. They're set apart. They're to do the work of the Lord. They see this man dying on the side of the road and they say, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't touch him. I'm going to defile myself. It's not the day to do it. That's not right. They knew what to do and they chose not to. Then it was the most unlikely character, the half-breed Samaritan, <laughs> that's despised <laughs> by the Jewish people. And yet he's the one that had empathy, had compassion upon that man and helped him up, put oil on his wounds, bandaged him up, put him on his animal, took him to the inn, paid for it and said, even if this man owes, I'll come back and I'll pay. Obviously, that was a type of Christ, but that's the whole point. When we are given a situation, you and I must do our best to be obedient and do what we're called to do because it's a blessing not only to others, but it's a blessing to God. And we should treat people the way we want to be treated. What if we're the ones that need help? Don't we want someone to come to our, our, our aid and come to our side when we need help? Most importantly, don't we want God to have empathy and compassion on us? Or do we want him to say, no, my wrath. <laughs> no, you're done. That would suck. But God's not like that. He, 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 he's merciful and just. If he was just a just God, he would have destroyed this earth the first time everybody sinned, and that would be it. But look at what happened. With Noah, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recreate this human race through your family. That, that, that's his mercy. Because if God was simply just, he would have destroyed the earth, and that would have been it, and we would never have this conversation, because we would have never been here. But God is so merciful that he decided in his infinite wisdom and his love and his deep desire to have fellowship with you, he said, I'm creating you. <laughs> you, you, you. I'm creating you personally, specifically, so he could have fellowship with you. That's how raw and real it is. And it needs to be that raw and real within us because until we lay hold of that, it's just loose religion. <laughs> but we, we want true religion. We want true faith, true Fellowship with God. Amen? All right. The third main point is this. Even worse <laughs> than standing off afar and doing nothing when we should help is to gloat or to boast about the pain and suffering of others. Man, may it never be said that, that, that the church do that. We should never be those kind of people that are boasting and gloating over the pain of other people. This right here shows how depraved the people of Edom had become. Do you see the negative progression here? Not only did they pridefully reject the Lord and his people, not only did they just stand by afar and watch them be attacked by foreign nations, but they actually boasted and gloated about the troubles of Israel. This is something that the Lord has expressed to me time and time again, and I'll share it because I believe it's important to share. He's reminded me for years about this and, and how horrible of a sin this is. You see, when, when someone else's sin around me right, me personally, becomes exposed, the Lord immediately points out to me that I need to check my own heart. That's what the Lord shows me. Whenever something gets revealed to me, and, and, and some, you know, because sin will find you out, right? Sin becomes public. We can't always keep sin hiding in a little corner in a closet. We all share the same Holy Spirit. You can't lie to me. I can't lie to you. So when we're not doing something right, something's going to come out at some point. It's going to get exposed. But every time something gets exposed, the Lord's like, keeping check your own heart. It's not that I'm not concerned about the other person, but the Lord's like, man, check your heart, man. <laughs> where, where are you at in this? The Lord is constantly showing me that. That, I'm, that I must come before him and get right. 
if there be anything in me that's corrupt. I just told you I had a dream the other day. I woke up convicted. It was just a dream. I didn't do nothing to nobody, Lord. But I woke up and had to repent. I'm like, Lord, forgive me. I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be that person. The Lord has told me over and over not to point the finger, not to compare, not to gossip about that other person's situation. You see, it's a very dangerous thing to speak on others' misfortunes or discipline as if we are above God's judgment ourselves. It's a very dangerous thing. We, are, we sh- just shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it. <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about it, you should talk about it in private with the Lord. You know, that, that, I think that's okay. I think that's valid. But, but when we kind of start talking about other people despite whatever they're going through, it's like, man, it's just it's that whole plank in my eye, speck in my brother's. <laughs> You know, we, we don't know the whole reason why God is allowing whatever to ha- transpire over there. Who are we to, to speak on it in such a way as, as if we're clear of sin? Matthew chapter 7 verse 2 tells us, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You see, the Edomites clearly disregarded this biblical principle and thought, They were in the right to arrogantly judge Israel for what they were going through. May we never find ourselves, church, in that posture as them. All right, let's go ahead and break these verses down. 10 through 14. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother and the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. Okay. So clearly there was a horrible act that was done against Israel from Edom because of the violence against your brother Jacob. The first recorded murder in the Bible is of Abel killed by his brother Cain. Violence is, is, is immoral But violence against one's own family is even worse. You see, again, the family lines between Israel and Edom go back. They had the common ancestor, Isaac. They're they're, they're family. They're family. And and, and it's it's, it's a whole other level when we do things against family. The fact that they were family, this made Edom sin against Israel all the more worse. Because of the the blood brother ties. And over the centuries, Edom, they continued to, to torment Israel. Instead of acting as a brother nation, they acted as their enemy. When Israel was fleeing Egypt, Edom persecuted them. And the worst example of this occurred just before the writing uh, here in Obadiah's prophecy, when Israel was attacked by Babylon, and I do believe 587 BC, Edom did not step in to help. They just simply sat by and watched. They just watched it take place. They they just they just they were like spectators. It was like a football game, and they were watching. They didn't want no part in it. But it got worse because then they helped to capture fleeing refugees and participated in the looting of Jerusalem. So not only did they just stop and watch and not take part and help, they actually said, oh, okay, here's some stragglers here. And then they took some of the plunder for themselves. That's a horrible thing. The application is this. Some sins become worse depending on whom we sin against. You see, it is a sin to treat someone else badly but it is even worse to treat a brother or sister in Christ badly. It is a sin to speak harshly to anyone. It is even worse to speak harshly to your husband or to your wife. 
That's why we see these parameters in place because it's just it's 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 a it's a horrible thing. And and, and you know those of you who are married in this room, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> when when whenever there's a situation between me and my wife, it's like it uh, the situation has to get right. I don't have peace. I don't have peace. Don't think for a minute that I I can study for a message if 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 if, if I am at odds with my wife or my wife has got a, a you know a, something against me. That, that situation has to get right. I can't, I can't do anything. I have no peace. I have no peace at all. It, it, it's like other people, it's like, well, okay, whatever. You say something to me, I don't like it. I mean, it's kind of going to, you know, at some point it's going to roll off my back, like water off a duck's back. But when it comes to, you know, my wife, that's something I, I can't get away from. <laughs> Got to deal with that. And I, I need the Lord's peace in that. And that's what's going on here. It was even worse because it was between family. Instead, this is the way the conflict between the two nations should have been handled in a godly manner. Matthew chapter 5 verses 21 through 24 tell us, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So don't say fool. (laughs) So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. You see... There, there, there should have been some kind of reconciliation that should have took place. And I understand in the whole scheme of things, God allows everything to happen. He's still, his his plan's going to still come forth. He's still going to get the honor and the glory. But again, this is a reminder for me and you how we are to deal with situations when they arise, when conflict happens. You don't just sit back. You don't gloat over the misfortune of others. You go to the individual and get right with that person. I mean, when you do that, you free yourself. You free yourself of the anger, of the animosity, of of the guilt, of the shame. Now, if the person doesn't want to receive it, that's on them. But you're liberated. You're freed from it. You've done your part. Now, that's between them and the Lord. But these are the way, this is the way things like this conflicts need to be handled, especially within the body of Christ. And he goes on to say, on that day, the day that they, they, they... They sinned by committing the sin of omission. It says, on that day you stood aloof or you stood by idol on the other side. What did Edom do when strangers attacked Judah and foreigners entered their gates? (laughs) They did nothing. They did nothing at all. I mean, that's like, again, when we see somebody in need and we're like, I I don't want to get involved. Now, I get it. You can't be just just rushing in. To every single situation, we're not Superman here. We're not no superhero. You got to take your promptings from the Holy Spirit. I'm saying, in a biblical sense, when the Holy Spirit lays upon you something to do, and you see there needs to be something to be done, and you do nothing about it, that's when it's sin. Sometimes we we, we need we're not supposed to be in the mix, and I get that, and that's only between you and the Lord in those specific situations. I can't make a blanket statement about that, but I will say, when the Holy Spirit leads you and I. We should be obedient. You see, the Edomites, they stood by and cheered on Judah's misery. And the application is this. Sometimes doing nothing is a great sin. Numbers chapter 32 verse 23 speaks on the sin that will find you out. And the sin, it speaks of when someone does nothing. Because Numbers chapter 32 verse 23 says, But if you will not do so behold you have sinned against the lord and be sure your sin will find you out obviously talking about you're supposed to do something and you're choosing to absolutely do nothing that's not good and the sin's going to be exposed as mentioned earlier the account of the good samaritan reveals those who choose to do nothing and when they should have done something as well as those who are obedient to god's will and act accordingly and become a blessing in a necessary time of need You see, Jesus reveals to us that there will be reward and judgment for those who do and those who don't do. 
This is a little lengthy, but I'm going to read it for the sake of context because I think it's very important and I think it paints the picture better than my own words. So Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. Um, you can go there if you want. If not, it should be on the teleprompt. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. Before Him, He will be gathered all the nations and He will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you, a stranger, and welcome you, or naked, and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they, all, then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or strange, stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it for the one, one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. All these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So you see, clearly the Lord is telling us we need to act. There needs to be motion to what we're doing. Um, you know, I, I, this happens all the time. I have, I have a client that I work with that, that has Tourette's. And he always is saying, can I have a drink of water, please? And sometimes he's saying it and he's teasing. So, you know, supervisors, they're like, you don't always got to do it. Because <laughs> he's teasing. He's, he'll mess with you. He says all kinds of things. He'll cuss at you too. Smile on his face. But he's like, can I have a drink of water, please? And sometimes I'll be real with you in my heart. I'm like, I don't want to do it. I'm like, man, I just got you water, Mark. Why I got to get it again? But I'm constantly getting up and getting him water. Why? I look back to this principle. He said, man, if you got water for the least of the, I know it's my job. I get paid to do it. But I still can do a godly job or do a junky job. And so I do it. We saw someone, you know, a military vet. He said, you know, uh, you know, vet need food. We were at the light. I'm like, Veronica, what's up? You got money in your, in your purse? You know, we, we, we didn't have much. Give him $10. But I said, you know what? Jesus loves you. Remember that, bro. And he's all, God bless you. You know, and the whole point is, hey, man, that man was in need. I was there at the light. I could have just sat there in my AC with my window up. And, and I'm not saying good works save. I'm not saying that. But it was put upon my heart because, again, if I'm in that position, don't I want somebody to bless me and help me? And I reached out to be a blessing to that man because it's like, I, I see, I'm like, man, he needs help. He needs help. Hopefully that $10 can do something for him. But I told him more, more importantly than the $10, I said, Jesus loves you, man. Don't forget that. God bless you. But the Bible is clear. For the least of these that you and I do kind things for, we're doing it unto the Lord. And when we renege and say, no, mine, mine, like a stubborn, stingy child, we're not doing it towards the Lord. We should have a heart that is just have a desire to want to get out in the world and bless people. We should. We should want to be blessing people left and right. Because it's what the Lord would have us to do. You see, again, Edom actually did worse than doing nothing. They rejoiced over Israel's misfortune and suffering and used it as an occasion to exalt themselves. <laughs> see, that's that pride again. They exalted them, so they gloated and boasted about the hurt and pain that Israel was going through. And then they exalted themselves. It's so sad and it sickens my heart when I look into the society and the world that we live. And there's a lot of that going on. 
people are just benefiting off of the misfortune of others and they exalt themselves. But God said, those who exalt themselves will be humbled. They will. There's going to come a time where they're all going to get eradicated and it's, they're all going to be leveled. And all this worldliness of who they are and whatever position, it's not going to mean anything. And those of us who humble ourselves before God at the proper time, we will be exalted. I believe that's when we will be at the wedding supper of the Lamb. <laughs> and we're going to be with him reigning forever and ever. Thousand year period coming back, given some kind of position and role in this world. Man, that, that, that's talk about exalt. That's what I'm looking forward to. I don't care about no church building. I don't care about my, my face on the website. I don't need no placard. I don't need none of that. I don't need no praise or applause from anybody. Let me get my yes and amen from the Lord God himself. That'll be my exaltation. That's a great thing. You see, the application is this. Worse than doing nothing when prompted by the Holy Spirit is to actually re rejoice over the pain of others. This kind of thinking and behavior is not godly. It is demonic. When we revel over the pain of other people, that is demonic to the core. Think about this. Satan, the accuser of the brethren, the father of lies, is the one who rejoices over the pain and misfortune of humanity. Do you know when you're in pain, Satan's rejoicing over that. He's happy. He wants you to suffer. He wants you to be messed up. Why would we want to emulate him? Why would we want to follow in his footsteps and, and, and boast and gloat over the pain of other people? It's okay that your heart breaks over the pain of others. It should. That's actually an attribute of the Lord. <laughs> that, that, that you actually, you're bothered by the fact that you see so much suffering in the world. There's actually something wrong with us as Christians if, if we can't even, we don't even bat an eye to the suffering of those around us. There, there's something there, there's a hard shell around your heart if you're, if you're not moved to compassion over the pain and suffering of others in this world, especially within the church. But anybody, non-believers, doesn't matter. All these people around the world that are going through such horrible things. It, we, we, just, we shouldn't just be able to move along our day like, you know, we don't miss a beat. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17 and 18 says, Do not... Rejoice when your enemy falls and let not your heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it and be displeased and turn away his anger from him. Again, you know, the whole point is, you know, we're not we're not we're not to take vengeance. We're not we're not to be, you know, glad that other people are suffering. Let the Lord deal with that. Let us ask the Lord, what do you want me to do in that situation? Father, point me to what how, how I'm supposed to be used. How, how can I be of uh, a benefit to this person? Next, we see, he says, don't lay hands on their substance. Let's look at this progression. Edom's sin started with doing nothing. Then the sin of doing nothing progressed to pride over Judah's distress. Then finally, they took advantage of their brother Judah's misfortune and laid hands on their substance. They took all the stuff, the, 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 the monetary stuff. The material stuff. They took all they could get. They were like pirates, man. They're like, give me the booty. I'm taking it all. Give it to me. I want the gold. I want the crowns. I want the jewels. I want the diamonds. I want the precious riches. Give it to me because you're down and you're not going to use it. It's almost like someone where it's like, you know, it's like they don't say it, but it's like, oh, they got a big inheritance coming. And it's like, I'm just waiting for you to die so I can get that. It's not the right heart, man. It's not the right heart. When we allow sin, even the smallest amount, to go unchecked in our hearts, it will infect every area of our lives, influencing us to do and say things that should never be done or said. Next we see it says, You should have not stood at the crossroads to cut off those among, among them who escaped. The final progression of Edom's sin was worst of all. They actually joined in the attack against vulnerable Judah. When they encountered people from Judah f uh, fleeing southward from the attacking armies, they killed them. That's what it means when it says they cut them off. They literally killed them. It's like put a sword in their gut or whatever they did. They didn't have not, uh, guns back then. So, you know, it's a, it's a very violent thing. It's violent. It's violent when you stab somebody. I was talking to Veronica about the other day. I was like, I would never want to get shot with an arrow. 
You know, because the arrow, it's like, hey, man, I got to put this, push this thing through. Because if you rip the arrow out, man, it's going to rip out everything. You're going to bleed out. That's why I say they just break it off so then you can, you know, at least get to where you got to get to and get a I mean, that's horrible. I don't even like saying it, but this is crazy. It freaks me out, man. I can't imagine being stabbed up like that. But th- this is what I'm talking about. That, that's, it's, God's like, this is violent. This is not good. This is not what I want my creation to do. I don't want my creation shedding blood. That's not what we're supposed to do. It's not what we're made for. But this is how deceptive sin really is. You see, sin proceeds by degrees. This is a quote, by the way. This is not my words. But sin proceeds by degrees. Neither is any man at his worst at first. Do you get that? <laughs> it's never bad at first. But, but, but slowly and surely, gone unchecked, going along, sin just starts to degrade and degrade and degrade. Little by little, slowly but surely, sin eats away at the fibers of a person's soul. Like a boa constrictor suffocating its prey, sin slowly chokes the life out of its victims until they are no longer breathing. And then you're like, what happened? How did I get here? It's because sin just eradicated your life. This is why on every occasion, you and I must combat the forces of evil, not allowing ourselves to give the devil a foothold of our thinking. Remember, the battlefield is in your mind, is in my mind. We have to fend off the enemy by knowing the scripture, by knowing and having a relationship with Jesus Christ. We talked about the progression of sin last week, referencing the book of James. Enticed by evil desires in our hearts, left unchecked leads to sin, and, uh, and that unchecked, unconfessed sin leads to death. This is precisely the reason why the good Lord draws people to himself. For salvation's sake. Because he's like, I don't want you to go down that road. You don't have to go down that road of destruction and death. You can choose life today. For the rest of your life, choose life. And live in obedience to God and be blessed over and over and over again before you even get to heaven for eternity. You don't have to wait till you die to experience the goodness of God. You can enjoy him today. We no longer need to choose death bound by its demands, but we can choose life. Romans chapter 6, verse 22 and 23 says, But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I have this last point, and then Michelle and Isaiah can come up. In the day of his captivity, in the day of distress, in the day of their calamity, again, all in all, Edom treated God's people terribly when distress and calamity came upon them. For all this, God's judgment was going to come upon them. Because again, the manner you and I judged, it will be served to us as well. First, they did nothing Then they rejoiced in the distress of Judah and their calamity. Then they took advantage of their vulnerable state. Then they joined in the violence against God's people. I pray that you and I are not guilty of the same. And that when we see people in distress and calamity, don't don't do anything. And even worse, that we would join in. I remember when I was a a youngster and, uh, you know... Back in the day, I mean, some of you guys, you guys, bag snatching, you know, Halloween, bag snatching. I, mean, I was a horrible, I was a horrible teenager, youngster. And my, one of my buddies had a Datsun, blue, navy blue Datsun pickup truck with no bed. And we would lay in that thing and he would drive around and we would jump out of that, that pickup truck and snatch up kids' candy, man. We're horrible kids, man. Horrible, bad, mean, despicable children, youngsters, adolescents. But it just makes me think of that, like joining in. Like I joined in on that nonsense. Don't be like that. Don't be like Edom. Don't join in in the violence of others. May we be those instead who do what Matthew chapter seven twelve says. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. You see, it's not enough to avoid evil. 
we need to do good to others. Right? Because sometimes we just sit in our Christian circles. I just like, you know, oh, I want to hear, I want to hear worship music. I want to hear hymns. I want to hear preaching. That's good. We can't just avoid evil. We got to do good to others. Do something to help others led by the Holy Spirit. May we not grieve over the pain and misfortune of others. You see, remember, when one part of the body hurts, we all hurt, right? That's what the Bible says in the the body of Christ. May we serve others in their vulnerable state. Remember, true religion is visiting orphans and widows. There needs to be feet to our words. We need to actually do and serve others that are in need and join in in the Lord's work, encouraging others around us. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're just so merciful and kind to us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you always are ready to give us clear instruction. Not, 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 as, a, not as a school teacher to beat us over the head, Lord, but because you, you desire us to, to not have to suffer. You don't want us to go through all this pain and agony. We see so many people in the world that are, that are searching for love in all the wrong places. They think it's in the way they look. They think it's in the, in the clothes they wear. They think it's in the cars they drive or the houses they own. And those things aren't bad things. But Lord, they don't satisfy. Only you are the one who truly will redeem and satisfy a person's heart and a person's soul. Until we come to terms with who Yeshua, the Messiah, truly is, we're never going to understand what it means to be fulfilled. Father, I pray that today everyone that's sitting under the sound of my voice would be transformed supernaturally in such a manner that they will never thirst for the things of the world again. There's nothing wrong with having stuff, but Lord, that they wouldn't have anything sitting on the throne of their hearts but you, because you're the only one that can guarantee peace, love, joy, and happiness. So Father, we thank you for this time. And may you do the work that only you could do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.